Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Owls AmeriCast. That's right, kids. We're one episode away from Big 50. 50. Can you believe it? Fitting, seeing as how that's probably the same number of years it's going to take our club to get back into the Premier League. But anyway, <laughs> let's not get ahead of ourselves. Episode 49 will be packed with a review of our exhilarating 4-2 loss to Blackburn. We'll talk Wednesday news, including a discussion of one of the boldest moves by Chancery to date. We'll have a roundtable discussion on the state of our club. We'll preview our Ravra match and wrap everything up with a bit of news from Owls Americas. But first, let me introduce you to today's ragtag cast of Yorkshire Rejects. First, it's the tight jean and sneaker wearing, fake news sharing, bicep bearing wonder of a human being live from Secaucus, New Jersey, Patrick Jones. Patty. Jesus. What's your beverage of choice tonight? <laughs> I am. I do. You're full of beans. Uh, I am drinking, uh, in honor of uh, our guest host, uh, Evan, I am drinking uh, Great Lakes Ohio Brewing Company Christmas Ale. So I'm feeling festive. Ooh. I'm feeling the Ohio flavor, and it's all good. Well, I'm feeling jolly and merry and bright tonight. Next, it's our captain in Manhattan, the marathon running, lady stunning, Trump shunning, quite smart and cunning James Allen. James, cocktail or beer for you tonight? Bloody hell, hell, Evan, you're coming in hot this evening, aren't you? Um, yeah, I basically have decided that the uh, the state of Sheffield Wednesday requires me to think take things up a notch. Uh, so I've shunned beer, uh, and I've uh, I've got on the scotch. So I've got a uh, mm. I've got a bottle of uh, Lagavulin uh, 16 um, and a tumbler, and uh, I'm already on my second glass of something which is apparently 43% ABV. So I'm very sanguine about the state of Sheffield Wednesday, but I, I think this may be something like an anaesthetic. Wonderful. Well, thanks, James. And last, but certainly not least, your backup host, the Joe Wildsmith of Owls Americas, if you will. I am your Ohio Owl, Evan Skilleter, and I'm drinking the finest glass of water on the rocks that Northwest Ohio has to offer. So let's jump into it. Let's go right to Blackburn, right where everyone wanted to start as we jumped on Skype tonight to record this podcast. Another new lineup. Zhao and Fletcher back. Thornley kept his place. Matthias on the left for Matt Penny. James, when the lineup came out, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, can I be perfectly honest about this, Evan? I'd prefer you did. Yeah, I think it's better I did. Otherwise, it would get quite awkward when you find me out in about two minutes' time. Um, I made a uh, I made a very deliberate decision uh, to be elsewhere on Saturday. Uh, so when the when the uh, when the lineup came out, I was uh, I was running around Prospect Park in Brooklyn in a in a pair of uh, of lycra pants. Um, and to be honest, when most of the first half uh, took place, I was uh, I was doing the same thing. Um, long story short, um, there's a uh, there's an annual run in Brooklyn called the Jingle Bell Jog. Uh, last year, I decided to skip the Jingle Bell Jog to go and watch Sheffield Wednesday Hull City in the uh, the fine company of the New York Owls and our special guest, one Eddie Sausage Arms Hoyland. Um, it was shit, and uh, and we ended up uh, conceding in the 94th minute. So this year, I decided, you know what, I'm uh, I'm going to go and do the Jingle Bell Jog and not watch the Blackburn game. And that's exactly what I did. So, um, so I'm afraid that when the lineup came out, I was peacefully oblivious on a nice Saturday morning in the sunshine in Brooklyn, uh, New York, and uh, I was completely uh, unaware of uh, any of the controversy about the fact that Stephen Fletcher was back in the lineup and Fernando Forestieri had, uh, had dropped back to the bench. You uh, so, uh, lucky bastard! I I apologise, but I will I will convey my thoughts on the match through the medium of the extended highlights slash uh, match replay. Um, but in terms of real time analysis, I'm afraid that wasn't my bag on Saturday. Well, you lucky, lucky get. I was in New York Owls. I was also at the whole game, I believe, as well. And it was awful. So I'd rather be jogging, and I hate jogging. I hate all forms of exercise. 
I'd rather do a marathon than watch another 90 minutes like I watched on Saturday. It was fucking dreadful. So, well done, James. I'm missing the frigging game. We actually had a good crowd down at Football Factory, so I'll start with a positive. It was really good. We had about 10 people there, um, a couple of tourists, a few regulars came back, and we were in a good mood. We were in a good festive mood, right? Until um, the first whistle. But I actually thought the, the lineup itself, before we actually got to the first whistle, was actually quite okay. I like the idea of Jaron Fletcher up front, in, in principle. Uh, I think Thornley's, <laughs> before the match, I thought Thornley was a better left back than Fox. Maybe not so much now. Uh, Matthias, again, I thought he's been a bit rough the last couple of games, but done just enough to keep his place in the squad, so I wasn't too upset. I know we're not playing very well, but on paper, that team could have given Blackburn a run for it, right? That's what you would hope. Well, it only took six minutes to get our answer out of you two, so that's good. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the beginning of the match. Patty, you probably... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang, hang on a second, Evan. To be fair, it, it, it took Wednesday more than six minutes to concede, so I think you're being a little bit harsh on that, honestly. <laughs> We're being quite efficient compared to Wednesday's defence. Yeah, I don't know if that's the measuring stick I want to put us up against, to be honest with you. Um, but, but Patty, let's talk about the beginning of the game. Um, were you enthusiastic, or were, were there kind of signs of what was to come? It was awful, Evan. It was fucking awful. Um, like, the signs were there from the start. We were going to get pasted. Reed hits a po uh, the post from a Conway cross. Um, there's a scramble in the box, which Dak puts away, and no one to this day knows why it was ruled out other than the referee. Do you guys know why it was ruled out that first call? James? Um, look, I, I, I've, given the fact that I wasn't watching in real time, I've had the uh, the opportunity to watch the highlights. Uh, by, I suppose I could have watched them many times over. In this case, I, I've tried to replay that more than I've replayed any of the other elements of the highlights because it doesn't make any sense. It just looks like a bit of a kind of a, a bit of argy bargy, fifty fifty, and uh, and I can't see why uh, why it gets pulled up. I think it's a push on the keeper. Um, but in all honesty, I think it was just a referee who kind of sensed what was to come and thought he'd take take pity on Wednesday. Right? <laughs> and God bless that man, because seriously, after we lasted eleven minutes of onslaught against the mighty Blackburn Rovers before we conceded, uh, it could have been uh, three. Um, again, good breakaway from Blackburn. I thought I thought they dealt really well all all game. Uh, we we pushed forward and then they would break away, um, and they were way more incisive than we are going forward. Uh, Bradley Dack uh, gave the whole defence a bit of a dummy. Uh, good save from Dawson, uh, and then Graham quite happily uh, waxing the rebound for a one-nil start to Rovers, and um, it didn't get much better after that, really, did it? The first half was almost as bad as Bolton, would you say? Well, before we, before we, before I answer that, I just want everyone to mark this down. Uh, December 5th, 2018, 9.45 p.m. Patrick Jones became the first Sheffield Wednesday fan to wish God's blessing upon a referee. Uh, so so good for us. That's a, a big Hey, we need, we need all the help we get. for us. It's absolutely right. Uh, worst, a worse first half than Bolton, probably true, right? Just a, a, a miserable, miserable 45 minutes plus. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it, Joss actually made a change right uh, before 75 minutes and made two changes. Were they good changes, James? Or, or James, if you don't want to answer, I guess Patty can go next to. Well, I mean, I can answer. I mean, the fact that he made changes was good. 
Um, you know, he recognised at half time that we were getting pummeled by a free flowing uh, Blackburn team, and we probably could have had three or four in the first half. So, so at least he recognised that his latest system was uh, the jig was up, and it was time to change it out. Uh, what you know brought on Forestieri, and um, I guess uh, any time you've got Fernando Forestieri on the bench, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to tell from watching, you know, the playback that I've I've watched to see if it fundamentally changed the team. But um, all the feedback I've had from the fans who did watch the full game was that it didn't really have the desired effect. And I think um, I think Paddy, you can probably confirm that, right? Well, I disagree slightly because for eight glorious minutes, it looked like it might have worked. Uh, we're a bit more. Um, uh... Yeah, for, second half's are forty-five minutes long, though. <laughs> They are, and we'll come to the remaining 37 minutes after this. <laughs> but let's just let's let's just split this moment for the time being. We're at eight minutes after the second half kicked off, where we looked like a half decent team, putting a few little good uh, touches together. Forestieri, like he up, up for it, he actually put Reach through at one point, uh, and we had a corner, which again Reach had a good chance from. Um, hold on, hold on. Sorry, we had a corner. We had a corner, mate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that that's, the, that's exciting. Was that on the highlights? It was all no, done no, from uh, Fessy's good work down the right hand side, and. Uh, Good save by the keeper. But second chance from Reach after the corner was kind of blocked uh, by the defender. So that was as good as it got, I think, pretty much in the first um, in the second half. Um, but again, like I said, eight minutes. That's all it was. And then uh, Mr. Dak goes all the way through again. Uh, where, and I was talking to James about this before the year recording. There's, a, there's, a, there's an image going the rounds, or even a, a little bit of video doing the rounds on Twitter, where there's a, a picture of our defence, which... Not in the usual flat back four formation you'd expect from a defence, but more in a kind of um, right angle to a most common uh, back four uh, as it goes across vertically the pitch, uh, the back four. And that's where kind of um, uh, Dak kind of uh, splits the defence that way. And I thought that was the same picture that was on, on Twitter for the, second, for the second goal. Actually, it was the same for the third goal too. It was almost the exact same formation we were playing, like it was a tactical system to play our defenders in line like they're going to the post office to post uh, their latest package. But no, apparently um, that's the thing we do now. We just uh, all line up on the 18-yard box. So yeah, no good. Eight minutes, though, is good, wasn't it? Do we really want to um, go into any more detail on this one? Or should we just move on? We can talk briefly about Joao's goal. That was good, right? That was an absolute cra- cracker, but um, I mean, it kind of the I said the jig was up uh, for Joss's formation. The jig was up on uh, hope of getting uh, getting a result, wasn't it? At that point, I mean, we were already two 0 down, and he uh, he just it looks more like out of frustration than anything else. He just decides to absolutely welly it. But you know, um, I've been uh, I've been talking stats quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, and um, that goal moved us into the uh, the strange position of being the the standout team in Europe for goals scored outside the box this season so far um, so uh, so well done uh, Joao because it was a great hit um, but what what was the turnaround time between you know Joao's thunder chuffer and Blackburn's third uh, oh it was about a minute so um, yeah you know you've got to take everything in context right one wonderful goal doesn't make a season uh, and it turns out that one wonderful goal doesn't even save more than about three minutes of Wednesday's humiliation you know what, I, don't, I didn't even celebrate that goal it was a fantastic goal in any other setting, I would have been jumping on the chairs in the football factory, extremely happy with that. All I did was put my hand in the air as if to say, yeah, good goal. I didn't scream, I didn't shout, because it was a fluke. And like like we've done it several times this, this season, we've scored several flukes. And it's mainly through frustration that we can't pass the ball to each other. Uh, so everyone just takes pot shots. And thankfully, 
We've got people like uh, Joao and uh, Reach and Bannon to some extent that can score from that far out. But if it if it needs anything like a team movement, we can't do it. It's just it's just awful. And even when Bannon's goal went in, I didn't celebrate that either. We were, we were a goal behind uh, with what ten minutes to go or fifteen minutes to go, and I just never felt like we were ever going to do anything else. It's a fluke. It was a fluke. We scored two goals on Saturday. Uh, and Bannon's more than Joao because he, he conspired to miss from 10 yards out, hit the post where he's easy to score, and then thankfully the <laughs> the keeper bundles it in for us. But it's just, it's just dreadful. Bannon was awful that entire game too. Uh, the whole team was awful, but I, I'm going to pick Bannon out because he doesn't often get my stick. He didn't put pass right in the entire 90 minutes. I, I heard that you were uh, you were popular on Twitter for that opinion, Paddy, on uh, on Saturday afternoon. I mean, this is one of the benefits of not watching the game live. I got to see the uh, the feedback, let's say, in inverted commas, um, on uh, on Twitter, and uh, and one of the big themes was people basically bashing you for bashing Bannon. Um, but <laughs> apparently, you're not allowed to say uh, Bannon took his birthday off uh, without getting a lot of stick. Oh, this. This guy's carried us for so long, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but he had a bad game. Why can't people accept he has a bad game every now and again? I'm not saying he's been our worst player forever. I'm saying he had a bad game. He had an awful game Saturday. I can't remember any passes he got on. He was just dreadful. And he was the same level as, I don't know, Pelopessi who gets reviled every single game uh, and just abuse thrown at him. He was just as bad as he was. If not worse. So I've got I've got this theory about Baron, and it's uh, it's it, it's I guess it's called the uh, it's the I'm too fucking good for this shit theory, um, and it stems from uh, from playing football when I was a kid at school and uh, when I was playing at university and stuff for that, on the basis that I was uh, I was a pretty hopeless footballer. Well, let's let's say I wasn't completely hopeless, but I was I was close enough to hopeless not really to be any good. Um, so the level that I would play at was uh, was pretty. Um, bog standard football and just once in a while someone's mate would come down and play a few games with my team and uh, you know those mates would be kind of like you know much better they'd play like university standard football or they'd be you know playing you know somewhere around the periphery of the non-leagues or something like that and they'd play for like two three games and they'd obviously be whiz bang brilliant and then eventually they would just get dragged down by the absolute dross around them to the point where they just couldn't be asked anymore you know and the the passes started going astray and then they went astray because lo and behold they didn't turn up for any more games so my theory about Bannon and Reach is you know this standard of football around Wednesday is so absolutely shocking this season that we're turning really good players into players that you know on face value look like they're they're not as good as they should be but I, I just think generally they've kind of lost all hope um, you know, Bannon the last couple of games has, has just, you know, his standards have dropped. He started misplacing passes. You know, the uh, even the short stuff isn't working. But I don't believe Bannon's a bad player. I just don't think he's inspired by the standards around him. No, can you blame him? I mean, like I said, it, it, it's hard to carry a team, right? If you've been carrying a team for so long, like he has half this season, same with the reach. You're going to just throw your hands up in the air every now and again and go, why the fuck am I bothering? I mean... If, even if I do play well, a good pass is going to go to Liam Palmer or Stephen Fletcher who can't score, or chip in Morgan Fox who can't put a ball in. So why am I even bothering trying? I'd be so frustrated, and that's probably what's coming through at the moment. It's just, it's just, it's just keeping up. You don't blame him. Well, was that? Is it safe to say that was the worst performance of our season? I know it's tough to pick out certain ones, but uh, would this be up there? Would you, where would you rank it? For me, it was. For me, I, I, from the start of that game through to the 90th minute, we didn't do 
anything right. I mean, Joao, potluck, goal, fantastic. Uh, other than that, we even messed up scoring a second goal. Um, I just thought we were, looked beaten. We looked like we had no confidence, uh, no plan. Uh, it it was to me a sackable offence for for Jos, uh, and I said that last week too. <laughs> so that's two sackable offences. Um, it, it can't go on like it is at the moment. Something desperately needs to change. Yeah, I don't, I, the, the odd thing is, I mean, you know, not having seen the full ninety minutes, I'm not in a position to say it is the worst performance of the season. But you know, we, we probably created at least more in that game than we did in the game against Bolton the few days previous that we won. Um, but what's just unacceptable for me is 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 the it's the sloppiness of the goals that we concede, right? I mean, I, I, we're all familiar with the fact that we're our, our defences at sixes and sevens this season, but it seems like they're getting progressively worse and less discordant as the season goes on. Um, and just like you know, we, Paddy, we joked about the positioning, but the the lack of coordination, the lack of positional understanding, the lack of follow up, the lack of energy, the lack of movement, the lack of half of a footballing brain in that back four, five, three, or whatever it, it is at any point in time, depending on Yoss's mood, is is just so troubling. And that was to the fore on Saturday. Um, you know, conceding four goals at Blackburn Rovers. Blackburn chuffing Rovers. I mean, come on. It's, you know, it, I understand that we're having a transition season. I understand that we're, we're in a difficult situation financially. I know that we've got problems in terms of team morale for reasons that we can go into. <laughs> but this is a Blackburn side that just came out of League One. You know, yes, they're playing some nice football. Yes, they had a reasonably good start to the season, kind of taking a bit of confidence out of last season. But it's still Blackburn. They still came out of League One. It's the same team that got absolutely rounded out of the Championship to some extent, you know, about two years ago. I, I just can't accept those standards, right? And and that's what makes it such a painful performance. Evan. I don't know if it's the worst performance of the season, but it's one of the worst results of the season. Well, we'll get to the state of the club soon. Let's move into our Wednesday news segment. Uh, first order of business reached one October goal of the month. I don't think there was really any um, any objection to that from either of you. My object- objection okay. was they didn't win um, the one the previous month. The September goal of the month he scored was that um, kind of half volley, which just kind of looped into the dot corner. Got, but got beaten by that McGinn goal against us, which I didn't think was as good as that one. So, yes, I'm happy he's won the October goal of the month. Um, but it was actually a worse goal than the one he scored previously. Well, Dawson has won November's Player of the Month. And now this one could be a bit contentious. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys think of Dawson winning the Player of the Month? I think it's actually fair. Um, it's almost like Wednesday have kind of, you know, fans collectively have been kind of caught with our hands in the cookie jar. And so we're, we're showing a bit of penance here by... Uh, by you know maybe helping mom and dad carry the shopping bags home or something in, in voting for Dawson because there was that kind of ugly scene wasn't there was it against Norwich I, I can't remember exactly which game it was where uh, you know everyone was loudly singing for Kieran Westwood and you know in so doing inadvertently slamming Cameron Dawson when you know is he having the best season of any goalkeeper in Sheffield Wednesday's history no as he kept many clean sheets Ooh. Not as many as uh, as we should do at this level, but is the kid trying really hard and showing promise despite having probably the leakiest defence in Wednesday's recent history in front of him? Absolutely, and you know you can't pick an outfield player that's uh, that's deserving of of a, a consistency award right now. Um, he has probably been the most consistent player in terms of effort 
effort and in terms of the you know when called upon when it it does come down to him he's he's done his job in october he did keep that clean sheet against united he kept clean sheet against bolton a couple of penalty saves as well particularly that one um from uh, from mcgoldrick against united so yeah i think i think as deserving as anyone could what is the second month in a row where you know frankly giving a player of the month award is a kick in the teeth for everyone who's had to sit through any of the games that we've been playing I think it's well deserved. He's, he like uh, saved two penalties in, in November too, right? So he's uh, he's he's doing his best in front of a terrible back four. Um, I think the fans have started to realise that now. I know they took a lot of frustration out of the Norwich game when we were down four nil, but he's I mean he's got basically no protection. So he's making a lot of saves because he has to, but he's not going to save everything. He's uh, I think he's a good keeper. I think he'll do well in the future. Plus, he's like six foot ten and ginger. I mean, you know, you've got to, you've got to give him some ups when he gets the chances, right? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. So, uh, I actually forgot that we were in the FA Cup still. That we still had FA Cup matches to play. I think the season. <laughs> whoa, 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 Evan, Evan, Evan! It's so you've dismal. Forgot, you forgot that we were still in the FA Cup. The season's been so dismal. You thought we'd already been knocked out, <laughs> even though we haven't played without playing a single match. We didn't qualify. I just, I, I guess it just wasn't on the radar for me. And so we finally have a, a matchup in the FA Cup. Uh, are we going to make a, a miracle run? No. <laughs> Will we beat Luton, though? No. <laughs> Maybe it's best uh, we didn't qualify. Sorry, Evan, what did you want to cover in this segment? James, what, what could you tell us about Luton Town? <laughs> oh, blame in hell. Um, well, flame in hell is probably... Probably actually the best description I could possibly give you of Luton as a town. Um, it would be better if it was on fire because it is a. Uh, uh, oh gosh, um, what's the best thing I can say about Luton? Uh, you can get a train to London there fairly quickly. There's an airport that gets you to many places in Europe for fairly cheap if you want to fly sleazy jet. Um, yeah, that's that's as much as I can say. I mean, it, it is the hotbed of the English far right. Um, it has a particularly nasty problem with. Uh, uh, people who would uh, would vote for the uh, English Defence League, the you know the the various um, unsavoury uh, organisations that would uh, would kind of promote white nationalism in England, um, used to make uh, Leyland Daft trucks. I think um, doesn't make many of those anymore. Um, not really a manufacturing centre, and it used to be home of a plastic pitch. Um, and Luton Town haven't really done anything of late, but they they're doing pretty well in League One. On right now, um, which is probably enough to tell you that they'll probably beat us in uh, in January. Uh, oh, David Pleat, David Pleat, uh, former Wednesday Day manager, uh, used to mar- manage Luton and uh, and went bouncing down the touchline once in a, in a very famous way when they avoided relegation. I think he managed Luton, or was he managing someone else who survived at Luton? I can't remember which way around it was, but anyway, that's probably the most exciting thing that's ever happened in Luton to my memory. Paddy, have you got you got anything that can top that? I mean, I'm just amazed that was all top of your head. Well done. I've got zero facts on Luton other than it has a hairpot. Well, Luton are led in goals by a young forward by the name of Elliot Lee. He's got 10 goals, actually. Um, he's only 23 years old. So uh, maybe a guy that an up-and-comer in the English ranks. And then also, you guys remember James Collins, the central defender for Villa and West Ham? Don't tell me he's playing for them, is he? Yeah, he is. He actually, from the centre-back position, 
he has seven goals this season. So, <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, he's kind of dominating, <laughs> dominating things. I got that's, it. I got that's it. more than our strikers. Yeah. No, I, and I'm, a centre back as well. Should, should we sign him up? Isn't no, he I, six foot ten in ginger as well? I, I'm completely kidding. By the way, he's uh, <laughs> it's someone named James Collins, but it's not the same James Collins. So when oh, you see wow. him, don't be don't be confused for James Collins, the six foot two bald red bearded center back for West Ham it's a completely different James Collins so that's the most interesting thing I have to say about Luton um, hopefully we don't lose but who would be surprised if we did at this point hey, so, hey, hey Evan can I can I just since we're talking about really interesting things in backwater places in Britain can I uh, can I congratulate go back to Blackburn for a second I want to. I want to. I want to congratulate them on possibly the the biggest change in uh, in British broadcasting uh, football recent history, which is I discovered when I watched the highlights of the Blackburn game the other day. They've swapped the position of the cameras at Ewood Park. They've moved them from one side of the uh, the stadium to the other, which is very exciting because if you've ever been to Ewood Park, it's got three very modern stands and then one shitty little kind of shed that goes down one entire side of the uh, of the pitch. And for as long as I can remember watching teams going to Blackburn, you always looked out on the shed. So basically, you looked like you were watching a team playing at Luton. Um, but it turns out that they've, uh, they've realised that's pretty poor marketing of the uh, of the nice modern spanking stadium they've got on three sides of, uh, of uh, Ewood Park. And they've shifted it to the other side. So, uh, so well done, Blackburn. You no longer look like Luton. Um, the rest of the town is a bit like Luton. And it's, uh, it's probably about as... Uh, as wayward on the lead vote. But anyway, totally different point. Moving on. All right. Well, Chansiri has evidently taken some, some strength pills and decided that in the midst of all this club turmoil, he's going to invite fans into Hillsborough for a fans forum. And I think that this may be the craziest idea he's ever had. He's done some pretty interesting things. But a fans forum in the middle of a season where we could be fighting relegation in the midst of all these folks uh, with with terrible attitudes toward the club, toward Chancery, toward the manager, he's called for a fans forum and i know both of you will be in england at the time um one or two of you might possibly show up at the forum uh, but i think it'd be a good time for us to maybe have sort of a round table discussion and um maybe put on the table some questions that we might ask at the fans forum and maybe even talk about them a little bit so we want to open my first question is why should i go that's what I want to ask you guys because I really have zero interest in doing this. Uh, I'm not. I'm, Christmas is about spending time with your family, right? Not, not like arguing with uh, random strangers in your football ground and the owner of your club. I can do that around the table at Christmas. I can argue with random strangers and my my uncle and my family. I want to. <laughs> I want. I don't want to be arguing with people. I want to have you a know, nice, peaceful Christmas. You know, it's really interesting you say that exactly the way you did because. I think that if things were completely different, if we were top six right now playing well um, and, and we had great, we were just a great club, then you would consider everyone going to the fans forum a family, right? Like you, you, would, you wouldn't call them random strangers. They'd, they'd be a part of a club. And I think that's the issue with our club right now is that there's so much turmoil and everyone has their own idea of, of 
how to fix it and no one really has or the club itself doesn't have just one solution for all the problems and it just feels like we're not connected as a club no one's excited anymore and um i know that doesn't answer the question why you sh- why should you go but um i just found it interesting that you, you kind of called them random strangers rather than Family friends fans. and family <laughs> I, I, I think you, you you guys are hitting on something right which is that and, and Paddy, the answer to your question is because it's the essence of christmas um you know you should you should go to uh to spend town time with uh you know those who uh who are going through a tough time you should uh you know should, you should show outreach and empathy and uh and lay down in the hay with uh uh, no, sorry, that analogy is not going to work hey. out if I start talking. <laughs> if, I talk, if I start talking about asses and mangers and various other things, anyway, um, the the point being, right? It, there's something quintessential about a British Christmas, about kind of you know, everybody kind of arguing about the remote control, and no one can decide what they're going to watch on TV, and someone's burnt the chuffing turkey, and uh, now we're just eating kind of crappy frozen food that hasn't quite thawed out properly, and uh, you know, we're just. You know, there's a drunk uncle in the corner who no one can understand, um, but he's he's launching into 45 minute monologues. So, um, the the kind of the point <laughs> being, that you should um, you should you should go to kind of have that unbelievably English experience. Um, let, let alone the fact that it's it's Sheffield Wednesday and they are your family in in good and in bad. So, um, I look. I mean, put a serious hat on for a second, right? I mean, given the circumstances around the club, given the way that the fan base is is feeling at the moment and with very good reason toward the manager and and to some extent the team um the questions that have been raised of the hierarchy the lack of communication and we have to call it that from the club um it's quite a tin hat that the chairman has put on in calling this this forum and and giving people plenty of notice and plenty of time to prepare those you know uh, awkward questions about pies hot water um and you know the future strategic direction of Sheffield Wednesday to uh, to do that five days before Christmas in uh, in very adverse circumstances is um, is quite a bold move in in some respects. I mean the the timing I th- I think is questionable. You know if you're going to do it, better to do it this week or next week um, than than the immediate um, forerunner to the Christmas period. It can only add to instability. But the fact that he's willing to do it. Well, let's hear what he's got to say. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the guy who is underwriting the club and is keeping the club financially afloat despite all the FFP pressures. So it's critical that we hear from him at this juncture. Um, We need to understand what he's planning, what his thoughts are on the current predicament, because the predicament is not one of a team that's going to get promoted. Um, So, Paddy... If anything else, you've got to go because you love this club, and despite the fact they act out and they uh, they drink too much and they say stupid things, I'm talking about the fan base. Um, the uh, you know the need is now to kind of pull everyone together and uh, and have a good uh, good a jolly good Christmas time, right? Yeah, I know what you're saying, but um, I just don't think um, that's going to happen. I think this is this is going to be the one that splits the family up. This could be the last Christmas we all spend together. <laughs> oh shit! Is, is, is it the one where the drunk uncle sets fire to the Christmas tree and then yeah. you know, kind of the TV gets thrown out the window? And uh, oh, this is when all the home truths start getting shouted across the table. So yeah, I feel like uh, it's going to be a car crash, um, and I think Chancellor is going to need more than a tin hat to protect himself against the barrage that's coming his way on December twentieth. Um, I don't think they'll be asking questions around the hot water in the north stand or. Uh, the price of pies or who's the, the supplier of the food. 
I think this is this is could be the one that actually focuses the fan base on the real issues at hand here, which is like FFP, the current form, the boss, uh, signings, all the important stuff. I would hope would go into this fans forum. All the crappy stuff can be put aside, and we can get some answers at last. So, so we've got to ask a question, haven't we? At this point, like we're we're sitting here. It's um, what is it today? It's the fifth of December. So we're still two weeks out <clears> from <throat> this this seminal event. The um, the McFadden's War of uh, of Sheffield Wednesday fan forums, if you know that Twitter handle. Um, clearly, neither of you two do, do, by the way, but hopefully someone out there listening does. Um, you know, are we going to be in a situation in two weeks' time where our performances are the same, where our results have not picked up, where the dissatisfaction within the fan base is not only the same as it is today, but it's more disgruntled, it's more uh, volatile, but Yoss is still in the job? Totally, yes. We've got Rodham and Swansea next, right? Um, I don't think anyone else before that game. I can't see an uptick. Even if we did win a couple of games between now and then, it's just papering over the cracks. It's 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 not going to change the mood around Hillsborough as it is right now. So it's going to go into that forum the same way it would go into it if you started it tomorrow. But, but what I'm driving at is, you know... We, it, Given that we don't expect the performances to pick up, and even if we did win, that we'd be pecking over the cracks, do we think that Chansu will stick with Lahukai within the next two weeks? Or do you think one of the reasons why things are as quiet as they are right now is because he is thoughtfully planning his next move, recognising that the bet that he placed in January for this unknown Dutch manager of German pedigree has not worked out the way that it was supposed to? I would hope he's doing something like that, but... Um, I'm, is the question I'm confident he's doing that I'm not confident at all he's doing that now um, I just don't see him pulling the plug this early he was very um, if you remember back to the Carlos days it took a lot for him to get rid of Carlos um, you, Luke has obviously not had the success that Carlos had in the first year but he's I just don't I think that Chen Siri is very loyal and he'll try and plough through with Lukai um, until the end of the season at this rate um, I don't think he's got a plan B I hope he's, I'm hope i wrong but I don't think he has and, and this this is the kind of why I'm, I'm pushing the question because you know if he if he's setting this fan forum up for a couple of weeks time and he has a plan and he's working on it right now and he's not communicating to the fan base because he's keeping his cards close to his chest and he intends to address the fact in December, late December that you know, yes this season has gone off the rails and we're not going to hit promotion as, as we needed to, that obviously has a very significant impact on our ability to stay within FFP bounds, therefore we are going to have to have a very tough January where some players are going to leave the club, we've got a new manager coming in whose task is going to be the rebuilding of Sheffield Wednesday, the reinstitution of the academy, the, the kind of the three year slog to get through this, you know, you could get proactive on all of that communication if on the other hand the the kind of scenario you've just described comes to pass, then then absolutely all the joking that we just put in about kind of you know the traditional disenfranchised Christmas that becomes the straw that breaks the camel's back is going to come to pass because you know if um, if Mr. Transiri becomes defensive of Luhukai and defensive of the current paradigm without giving answers for how it's going to change, the the fan base is uh, it's just simply not going to stand for that. And in an open forum, it will be horribly, horribly messy. So some other 
pressing questions, I guess. So obviously the managerial issue is, is one and you've started to hit on it and it's, um, you know, some, some structural changes within the whole, the whole club, right. From top to bottom. Let's say, let's say that Joss is out. Uh, say he loses to Robram and, and, uh, it's time to, to get someone else in. So we get rid of Josh. We'll say Bowen becomes acting manager as we search for a new one, just like last year. What uh, what what kind of guy do we need to, to have come in? Or, or girl, what kind of a manager do we, do we need to, to come in? And uh, that's going to massively help this club. I think silence is a good answer. Just complete silence. The, the, Honestly, the, I think it is. I mean, that that's the truth, right? Is, is that w- the, we're in such disarray that I'm not sure what it takes to get things turned around. I'm going to reference uh, Wednesday week podcast until that early on today. And um, what the fans want and what we need is is intangible. It doesn't exist right now. There's, I, I don't want to be so kind of like nihilistic here. But um, it, it needs someone that's going to be able to build a club from 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 the ground upwards. It needs someone that's got the patience, uh, both in the as as an owner that's got the patience, as well as a manager that's got with the fan base that's got the patience to understand this is going to take two or three years now. We're going to have to clear out all of the stars to pay off our FFP debts to get back to neutral again, and it's a, this is going to be a two-year process. And to put someone in charge of that, I mean, I don't know what you look. Not many CVs around that can do that. Unless you want to bring Alex Ferguson out of retirement and start from there. Uh, there's not many people that have done it. And that's what's so difficult. So it's, it's, it's fine for us to say here, yeah, but sack yours. And I understand oh, what people oh, are saying. Let, let, let me jump on my soapbox at this point then, because the answer in, in, in no uncompromising form is we need more than one person. This does not come down to one miraculous manager appointment there isn't somebody sat out there just you know with the perfect resume to build a club back up from this sort of situation and to paper over all of the situation the the, the cracks in, in the Wednesday infrastructure what we need is we need a manager who understands this division who can motivate a mixed group of players frankly right now we've got senior pros we've got young players who've just come in but have been blood in the championship we've got players who are outside of the squad but probably ought to be in the squad unless there's a fundamental reason why they're not there and we need a manager who can motivate and fuse that squad together to get enough results just to get us to mid-table safety this season that's all that needs to happen this season it's what we said 12 months ago but hey we're stuck in a we're stuck in a loop but alongside that we need somebody who fundamentally understands the structure of the game of football and can put together a medium to long-term footballing strategy for Sheffield Wednesday which rebuilds the academy and I don't mean rebuilds it in a critical way of what's being done we've got some amazing work going on at the under 18 under 23 level but it has to be built into the infrastructure of the rest of the country as well we need to have better connections with other clubs we need to have interchange of talent coming in and they need to be working night and day to build better connections in terms of recruitment so we're moving players in and out of the club you know the fact that no players have really left Wednesday in the last three years under Chan series is fundamentally the root of why we're in the problems that we're in right now so we need a sporting director somebody who can institute that that kind of footballing philosophy and the infrastructure behind the scenes which survives regardless of who the manager or the coach of the day is right 
And frankly, we need a commercial infrastructure that goes far beyond what we're doing right now, which engages the community, that doesn't allow the situation to deteriorate the way that it has in, in the last six to 12 months. Um, and all of that requires, frankly, the chairman to do exactly what he should be doing, uh, which is to be patient, to be trusting and to be supportive of the club, which I believe he is, but to be less hands on. Um, and to allow those who who know their professions to do their jobs, um, but we're we're at, a, we're at a breaking point as a club right now, and and one person coming in to replace Yossel Hukai will not solve that this problem. It's too big, it's bigger than one person. I like that answer. I think it's a good answer. Um, but do you think we've got the cash to replace Yoss with five people? So for instance, if we have to pay off Yoss to leave the end of his contract early. Uh, and it all goes into FFP, right? These staff appointments are still salary, still part of FFP. Yeah, it's part of the operating cost of the club, and I, I've been pains to point this out, which is that you know the the other element that Wednesday fans need to be realistic about is you know we're not bringing in a marquee appointment here because we can't. We, I keep on using the phrase we can afford, but we are not permitted to spend on that type of uh, of appointment. Um, and therein becomes the rub with FFP. So you're right. You know we can't go out splashing cash to get that type type of capability in. But you know, look at clubs like Brentford. Look at clubs like you know Norwich, even with the parachute payments. Huddersfield before they went up. You know, clubs can operate on a budget and put that type of thoughtful in- infrastructure in place. You just have to want it and you have to plan for it. You have to look for where the talent is emerging in the industry as a whole, in in football, in you know, in the sporting sector in the UK and and in Europe. There are ways in which you can do it on a cost efficient basis, and frankly, you have to make trade offs. You have to you know decide you're not going to play pay as many players forty grand a week. Well, lo and behold, we have the opportunity to to move away from that model as we go into the summer, where we lose some of the players who are on those type of contracts. So, yes, it's difficult to do it all in one fell swoop i'm not suggesting there's going to be suddenly this you know dream team of avengers who sweep into sheffield wednesday uh overnight in december and solve everything in 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 one go but if we are going to accept that it's going to be a two three year transition to rebalance the club to put it back on a different footing to have another push at promotion let's start that process now and let's be clear with the fans and with the community as a whole about what we're doing. Let's communicate that clearly. Because I think if we do that, I think people will have a whole lot more trust. And if we put the cost structure in place to reflect it as well. So when I saw the tweet, I don't know if it was this week, last week. Um, but, you know, Chris Waddle came out and said he's interested in the Wednesday job. Whether he really is or not, I don't know. But um, it, it got me thinking about some things that Harks actually said in, the, in our interview with him. Um, there were two things he, he mentioned that I think could help our club in, the, in its current state. Uh, first of all, I like the two-prong approach. I like having sort of the general manager, um, you know, building the roster out and uh, managing the contracts and, and, and such. And then the manager who is the, the he develops the players, uh, sets the lineups, and, and manages the game, right? But as far as a manager is concerned, when Harks was talking about uh, Big Ron, right? He was talking about Ron Atkinson, and he just kept saying, um, you know, what really struck me was that he said he knew how to get the best out of the players. And when he managed you, you wanted to play as, as well as you could. He, he cared about you as a person. Uh, cared about you as a family, a part of a family, and and you just wanted to do your best for him, and everyone bought into what 
he was doing, right? Obviously, that that's a great theory. We want someone to come in that can do that. But another thing that Hark said that stuck with me was that, and, and I haven't heard a player directly say this, at least not with um, not with sincerity. It was that playing in Hillsborough was incredibly motivating for players. And he was so sincere when he said it. He said, you know, it really, when, when the, the fans are behind you, it really elevates you. And it really, really helps you uh, performance-wise. And, and I think right now, we don't have a manager that has gotten our fans excited. You know, clearly him sitting on the bench and, and not doing anything, we're talking about Josh here, um, during the match and showing no emotion is, is not good for the players and, and probably the fan base. But also, you know, they're not excited. And I saw plenty of tweets about it um, in, in the week, one of the weekday matches. It was, I, I don't want to go to the game today. It's too cold. Um, it, it's boring. We don't want to go. And they're just not excited. So if, if we're going to bring in a new manager, it has to be someone. And, and whether Chris Waddle can manage or not, who knows. But it, someone that the fans will get excited about someone that knows how to get the players to get behind him, to motivate. And if we can just, even with our current roster, it, it, we have a lot of talent. We've seen this team and, and mo- most of these guys carry us through a championship season, not get promoted, but carry us through a season. We just need someone that can motivate and get everyone excited and get more energy into Hillsborough. Um, f- you know, if we have to wait two years to get players in that, will elevate us to promotion, fine, but let's at least have fun in the meantime. And right now, there's just no fun in the club. I'm going to cut you off before James cuts you off, because I think that's the best argument I've heard for an animated boss in a while. And I like the way he tied it back to what Hark said, too. So, James, I know he's on record, uh, saying we don't need someone that jumps about on the touchline, we need someone that can manage a team. And I agree with that statement, but I also agree it's very important to have a manager that the fans are behind and the, and the fans can relate to. Um, obviously, he needs to be able to manage his team as well. Um, but those kind of uh, managers, I think, again, you, you're narrowing the, the, the kind of scope <laughs> of uh, people that are available that we can afford. Um, and it's, it's difficult to find them. But I, th- I, I think it's probably the best argument I've heard to have an animated manager so James, do you think do you buy into that, or do you think it's, it's bullshit? Well, before before you even answer it, I'm not necessarily <laughs> saying I need a guy jumping around, just someone that is a motivator, right? He doesn't need to be screaming on the sideline, but at least I mean, stand up with your arms crossed. It's just the the pure motivation factor, someone that's that's into it, that the fans can get behind, that the players can get behind, and, and it just doesn't feel like we have that now. Yeah, I, listen, I'm, I'm not going to cut anybody off. I'm not going to disagree with anyone. If, if anything, you can hear me uh, pouring a bit more whiskey in the glass because, Evan, you're uh, you're preaching at this point, right? I mean, so, so the other part of my theory about Wednesday is that when when this club connects, it is unbeatable. When, you know, if you think back to the just you know the the kind of the reasons why many of us became Wednesday nights or the kind of the moments that we remember it's the point where Hillsborough has been pulsating to the place to the point where it's a stadium like no other and this fan base has that in it it's innate it's in our DNA it's in our shared history it's 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 something that we we can create when we come together that is is 
amazing and we need we if if we're an orchestra we need a conductor there needs to be somebody something that's pulling that in and, and in part that's the team it's the way it plays but i buy into the argument that part of that is the manager saying the right things you know appealing to the fans at the right time and doing it in the right way i don't believe that has to be someone who's just like you know shouting and hollering and and jumping around um gary megson and I, th- I think it can be i think it can be done in different ways but but i certainly certainly agree with you evan that when you talk about harks's recollections last week about ron that his ability to create a culture around the club and a feeling around the club and ethos in the team and the way that that just create you know connected like a virus to the fans um that that is something that's you know it, it, that, that's what drives you over the edge it's kind of it's the point at which you become much greater than the sum of your parts and of course we need that at Hillsborough. I don't just necessarily I just don't necessarily think you can go looking for that in one person and that everything else will be all right. What I'm saying is you have to plan for the infrastructure to be right and then we've got to add that that kind of secret ingredient into the mix to kind of revitalize the the overall feel of Wednesday and then you can do a lot to supplement that by the way the feel, fans feel engaged, the way that people feel able to afford going to games, the way they feel that their their team is pulling in the right direction, the way the players are behaving etc. Um but yeah, we, we need all of those ingredients playing. And the only way that happens is, and this is where you know we come full circle back to the idea of the fans forum, the point at which the chairman allows that to happen, where he invites it to happen, where he brings the fans in, not just to talk and have a, you know, essentially a, a circular conversation, but where magic magical things happen amongst the fan base and we were heading in that direction when we went to the playoff final we just haven't found a way to to build on it we haven't given the the kind of permission um to everybody to to take that on for themselves and and that's what we need um but there's no question that this manager is not inspiring this team to be part of of the catalyst for that change so you know that's where results come in and and where we we obviously have very very clear need to change the uh, the structure in terms of the management structure and the the footballing staff around it are there any other questions that are pressing that you think we should throw on the table or have we spent enough time on this I'm still not entirely convinced by the temperature in the uh, the chips in South Stand Grandstand, but <laughs> apart from that. Well, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk Rotherham and some OA news. Welcome back in Rotherham. Seven miles between us and three points. James, tell us everything you can about Rotherham. Have we not done Rotherham before? I guess we haven't, have we? No, have, have we? Did we play them last year? Uh, no, oh. they're uh, new to championships. You're right. No, they, they got back up, didn't they? Because Richard Wood scored in the playoff final. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Rotherham is a lovely part of the world. It's... Um, it's it's sort of this this mellow little historic medieval town, you know, on a, on a beautiful river, um, surrounded by countryside. Uh, no, it's not. Um, it's a it's an industrial warehouse park on the edge of Sheffield, um, basically boxed in on all sides by the M1 motorway, the Tinsley Viaduct. Uh, um, the River Don, I suppose, is is a little bit less putrid these days, um, and it it kind of just ebbs out into uh, into East Yorkshire with no particular finite end until you um, until you head north and end up you know in in slightly dodgy territory, which Paddy can tell you all about. Um, but the uh, 
you know, the, the the town of Rotherham is 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 adjacent to Sheffield. You might just call it a suburb of Sheffield, but it likes to assert its own identity. Um, the fact that it is all of whatever about seven eight miles away from Hillsborough means that they consider themselves to be uh, Derby contenders uh, in the local vernacular. Um, let's be clear, it isn't a Derby. We don't consider Rotherham to be local rivals, but they um, they like to cast themselves in the same sort of uh, vein as the uh, the cheeky upstarts, the chip on the shoulder. Um, brethren as uh, as their bigger neighbors across the city uh the uh, the blades of uh, of rubble lane um the way we look at it there's pigs and there's mini pigs these are the mini pigs um you know so they they come in all fired up it was kind of a little bit of fun actually to be fair when there were previous managers like um i don't know uh neil warnock in particular when he, he was at rotherham was quite quite entertaining uh just for you know kind of raising the banter levels to a point where it was actually worthwhile um these days, uh, they're punching with their weight. Paul Warren is is doing a pretty good job with them, to be fair. I mean, they're, they're scrapping right at the bottom end of the division. I should imagine they've got easily one of the smallest budgets in the championship. But to be fair, they've got some gusto and they've got some character about their squad and they've ground up some fairly decent results. They've made some good teams look fairly average. Um, and, you know, Wednesday have got plenty of history of Rotherham turning up at Hillsborough and giving us a very, very hard game. So... There's no reason why all of that kind of um, filibustering and uh, putting down of Rotherham as a neighbourhood should uh, should translate to them not getting a result at Hillsborough on Saturday, unfortunately. And in Wednesday, in the current parlour state, and you know, all bets are off in terms of our own performance. So, um, it's uh, it, it's not a pretty picture. I mean, the last time we played Rotherham at Hillsborough was just before Christmas 2016, I think, um, and. Um, the fan base was about as volatile then as it is now. To be perfectly honest, I got uh, I got threatened with a punch by a woman, woman with no teeth who said that uh, America, <laughs> Americans shouldn't come over. You know, weighing in on the performance of Sheffield Wednesday and telling fans what to do when we never watch games. So, you know, um, I live and learn. I won't be there on Saturday. Uh, I'll stay away and watch it on television and hopefully protect my uh, my dental. Where, where was this? That was in the South Stand uh, in December of two years ago. From a Wednesday fan. From a Wednesday fan, yeah. Oh, wow, that's nice. Were you, like, just sat in the South End complaining and moaning? No, she was, and I just told her to pipe down and, uh, and support the team, and she uh, she threatened me with a punch. <laughs> Brilliant. How'd she know you were American? or from? I mean, how'd she know you came over from America? It, it, it must be my well-cultured American accent. I mean. <laughs> Maybe she recognised your voice on the podcast. It's like, oh, is that twat? <laughs> <laughs> I've got enough of it, man. Podcast had started at that point, but uh, she knew what well, was she, coming. She, she just said, "It's that twat." Yeah, she didn't need the podcast for that. <laughs> Reputation it's twat with easy. some stats. <laughs> well, Rotherham have scored the third fewest goals in the championship. They have the same goal differential as us, however, at minus eleven. Sorry to remind you of that. Uh, they've drawn three and lost one in their last four. They, their last win was. Against Swansea back on November 3rd. So they're looking through their stats here. As far as goals scored, no one really stands out. One guy with four, that's Ryan Manning. And then a couple with three, a couple with two, a couple with one. So no one that will stand out. They average 42% possession. And their passing accuracy is a dismal 61%. So hopefully a win. Do you guys have any predictions Paddy, we'll start with you. I'm going for a 3-3 draw, Evan. I think they're a draw specialist. Uh, wow. 
Maybe, actually, maybe 2 2, because then they didn't score many goals. The 2 2. James? 3 0, Addy knew who hat trick. I like us to win this one, actually. Um, we'll say we'll say 2 0. Get a clean sheet. Um, so let's move on. Uh, Patty, are, are there any meetups this week? Yeah, they are, mate. I'm still amazed every week that people turn up uh, in both New York and New Orleans regularly. Obviously, we have um, our other supporter groups, but New York and New Orleans are the most regular ones. And they're no different this week, too. So you can join the New York lot. I will be joining at some point during the uh, the proceedings, but maybe a little bit late. That's at Football Factory. Jeff is holding court. He's not here today, but he will be there on Saturday with his, uh, with his Chromebook, apparently. Um, Jamie is in New Orleans at his change venue of Mimi's in the Marigny. Um, you can get both of those details on our Facebook events page at Facebook slash Owls Americas. The reason I might be a little bit late to the New York meetup is I'm going to be on telly. I'm going to be on NBC. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm moving shoulders with the uh, Premier League elite Saturday morning. I don't know if anyone's seen the uh, NBC show. It's a bit like Soccer AM. They do it every now and again in uh, certain cities uh, in in uh, America before the Premier League games start. So I've got a, I've snuck in on a Cardiff City invite, which is it pains me to say that they're in Premier League still. But I'm going to be um, uh, wearing my Sheffield Wednesday shirt uh, and upsetting the Premier League apple carts on Saturday morning on national television. So keep an eye out. Wait, so so. You're going to be like in a live audience, or you're going to be on the show talking about Wednesday. What's the deal here? <laughs> no, I haven't got, I haven't got us uh, onto national television from Owls Americas. Uh, I will be in the audience uh, trying to um, get my fat bearded face uh, noticed. Maybe, maybe a Wednesday scarf uh, at the back of the audience. Wow. Okay. Well, good for you. I hope you have a great time. And now. Patty, do you have, I see a note here, is there a special message you'd like to uh, send to a certain someone? Yeah, so I don't think I even know this, but there's an Instagram account um, of who we who may be our CEO, <laughs> Catch Me and Mier. <laughs> and we say may I mean, it's, it's, it's a very slim chance this might happen right but basically she posted some photos <laughs> of her in New York uh, about a week ago so we thought oh let's just uh, see if it is her and message her um, uh, so we did and uh, that'd be, they'd be like candid holiday photos from Catrienne in Instagram she has like four whoa, 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 no 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 you don't use the word like candid there buddy <laughs> Okay. They're, they're nothing showy, they're just holiday photos with Catriona in it. Um, so I thought, oh, what the hell, it could be a fake, but I'll email this email address, which is by no means a professional email address that she's got on there. I won't say it out loud, just in case, on the off chance, it is Catriona Mier's uh, email address. Uh, so I emailed her and asked her to come down to New York Owls meetup uh, last week, and um, someone responded. Uh, uh, I'm going to put in, uh, in air quotation marks, Catrienne responded um, that she, uh, that was a few weeks ago that was taken. It was an international break in New York. So apologies, Catrienne. But anyway, she's invited to the podcast. This is a, a public open letter <laughs> to the, uh, again, quotation marks, Catrienne Mier that I'm having some kind of dialogue with on email at the moment. Uh, please come on to the podcast. Uh, even if you are not, quotation marks, Catrienne Mier, I'd like to speak to you anyway, because I think it'd be pretty funny. 
this is the uh, possibly the worst possible approach for a constructive dialogue with a chief executive <laughs> in history. But it, it could be a beautiful story if it if it pays off, Paddy. Imagine um, if it pays I, off. Imagine if you were all wrong, and this is Catherine Mier. Well, I mean, we it's a, we joke when we knew that Miss um, Mier was in uh, was in New York on vacation. We uh, we. We kind of held out some hope that uh, she might turn up for a meetup, so we, uh, you know, we all we all went and watched the Bolton game, um, and look where that got us. Uh, she wasn't there, and we had to watch the Bolton game, so that wasn't wasn't particularly pleasant. But in all seriousness, you know, we I I, I do think, and we've said before on this podcast that um, quietly behind the scenes, without taking much fanfare, she's done some good things for Wednesday. You know, not least getting us out of the transfer embargo that we were in, you know, about six months ago. So. Uh, I think it would be fascinating to have a constructive conversation with her and to tackle some of the points that we've raised earlier in this this pod. Um, I'm just checking my emails, but, guys. Uh, whether, whether or not whether or not we have the right email addresses is probably a moot point. And there are other <laughs> groups in which we could uh, speak to, such as going to the fans forum, Paddy. So maybe you and I should actually uh, put our money where our mouth is and rock up on the twentieth. I got to turn December, up waving right? and going, Catherine is me. We emailed each other. Remember, New York Owls. Oh, that guy. Oh, God, that was weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, Evan, Evan, before we uh, before we finish, I've got one other thing that I think we should add, which I didn't put in the agenda. Well, before you add it, I just want to say that this Instagram account, would it'd be, ju- it'd be really strange if someone has pretended to be her. Because, I mean, these are just candid pictures all over the place, right? Like, they're, they're just like, someone, there's no way someone just got a hold of 20 pictures of Catrian in New York and posted them to a fake Instagram account. Like, it's just, it takes a really strange bird to do it's that. It's a very so. elaborate catfish to get me to email the person <laughs> if it is. Just some some <laughs> random fella that really wants on the podcast. <laughs> there, there, are really two ways that, there are two ways this goes down, right? It's entirely innocent, and Paddy, you have managed to get hold of the personal email of our CEO and try to pursue <laughs> her through her Gmail slash Hotmail slash whatever you know general uh, general account it is, which is kind of weird in its own way. Or it's somebody impersonating our CEO with access to photos and uh, and then engaging in disguised dialogue with you, Patrick A. Jones of Caucus, New Jersey. So um, either way this falls, it's going to feel a bit creepy. It's going to be sinister now if they put that way, isn't it? But um, if if there is a fake person that's that's catfishing me, uh, I want you to at least <laughs> take it through to the uh, the ultimate uh, kind of ending and come on the podcast anyway and pretend you're catfishing me. <laughs> Put like maybe a high pitched voice, slight Belgian accent. Can I can I can I please not be on the podcast? <laughs> no, interviewing interviewing fake Catherine Mier is almost as entertaining as interviewing the real Catherine Mier. I stand by that. James, go ahead. <laughs> oh, that gosh. was said with uh, Jeffrey Paternostro disdain. I love it. You're already learning from uh, from the ridiculous to the sublime. So. Um, <laughs> Last week, um, hopefully, uh, the majority of people listening have had an opportunity to listen to um, what I think is is still a defining uh, defining experience for me, which was the hour that we spent talking to John Harks about his experience um, both in in US soccer and the US MNT, and obviously at Wednesday. Um, this week, uh, kind of a I guess kind of a, a much bigger series of of long form interviews with Wednesday legends goes live in the form of the Owl Sanctuary. 
Um, and I think the the first episode is with one Chris Waddle, who, as we said earlier on, has already declared his intent to be a uh, be Sheffield Wednesday manager in the future. Uh, personally, Chris, I'd advise you to do something slightly different. I'd just like you to be an ambassador for the club. Please don't put yourself in a position where the fans could shoot you down. But um, you know, suffice to say, I think that's going to be absolutely fantastic content. Um, just based on the trailers those guys have been putting out, Chris McClure and the uh, and the team, um, they've got some uh, some really 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 exciting uh, conversation going with Chris. And um, yeah, really looking forward to that. So just wanted to kind of give a big up to uh, to the latest member of the uh, the Wednesday podcasting family and uh, and what should be uh, really exciting content for Wednesday nights in the midst of this terribly depressing season. They're a bit teasers, aren't they? They've been teasing this for like a year now. Like I've got like the it's bluest balls. Party. We're, we're, we're nearly ready. We're nearly ready. <laughs> when it's Shall finally on. released. Oh man. Any other business? I think that's it, mate. I'm done. I'm out of here. Excellent. Well, you can find us at owlsamericas.com. Email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend in the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There is no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Al's AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Dazed and Mumbled line at 1-410-307-1867. International rates do apply, but you can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, how many Jingle Bells did you wear during your Jingle Bells fun run? <laughs> Wouldn't you like to know? Uh, <laughs> the uh, the lycra wasn't that tight, Evan. Uh, just just the two Jingle Bells. Um, I was I was offered more, but I wasn't able to carry them for for purposes of uh, of obviously wanting to keep in, keep uh, myself focused on uh, not listening to the Blackburn game. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones for talk about music acts that wear skinny jeans and at New York Owls for Wednesday grousing. Patty, where are the meetups this weekend? You've already told us. <laughs> You've I'm just reading get the on script. Your script. I'm just reading the script. <laughs> Jeff wrote this. He can uh, take the blame. Oh, it's for going that. so well. I don't think you've ever done this like perfect. It was so close to getting over, and I, I feel so bad for you. Uh-huh. You know what? You also Thank got you. wrong. I hate to point your mistakes out, but you also got the phone number wrong. Uh, yeah, he put an extra zero in, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I noticed that. So eight out of ten this week, Evan. Uh, try again, better next week. I read. I mean, I read it perfectly. To be fair, uh, what's what's the phone number? No, you didn't read it perfectly. That's what you're saying. Whatever. Updates and mumble line would be one four zero one three zero seven one eight six seven, not one four zero one zero three zero seven one eight six seven. Oh. Well, my apologies. Not anyway, I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>